0: The goal of this series now is to understand that principle. It's to understand how God's kingdom and this earthly kingdom are at war and your heart is the battleground of this war. So even though there is a war out there in the spiritual realm, in the material realm, that battle is happening in your heart. And this is the tension we live in every single day. So our goal is to figure out not only what this battle is, why it's being waged, but what we can do to have victory over it so that we push back the kingdom of the enemy and we plant a new flag and take new ground for the kingdom of God.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast that focuses on coaching you and the growth of your faith. Our world is struggling to find peace in the midst of all this chaos, Mm -hmm. direction in the midst of all this aimlessness, and purpose in the midst of no meaning. We are challenging everyone to take time to think about the point and purpose of their lives. That way you will know what you believe and why you believe it. This leads to a stronger faith, and this is how you're going to find peace, hope, and love in this world. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the one, the only, the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak.
0: Hey, everyone. It's so good to be with you today, and I just, I love this forum, the the podcasting forum. It allows us to kind of go deeper. We just finished this series on The Disappearing Woman, and uh, boy, what an impact it had. And the number of women that have just commented about how it's really helped uh Uh, mold and shape their thinking. And Mm. so that's the beauty of the podcast because we can do an extra hour of in-depth study and application in addition to the the 30 to 45 minutes of preaching on Sunday morning. And I think that really helps people grow. And that's what we're all about is we're here to help you grow your faith so that you are strong, mature, faithful. And uh, I think that's going to have a huge impact in your life. So welcome to the Salty Pastor. It's good to
1: be with you. Absolutely. And we are starting a brand new series. If you are new to the Salty Pastor, our primary goal is to help you understand how the Bible applies to everyday life. Every Tuesday, we drop an episode that focuses on what the Bible teaches. And then every Thursday, we drop an episode on how those biblical principles apply Mm. to your life and the world around you.
0: Yeah. What makes the Bible so special, I think, is that it is a book of ideas. You know, it's not a book of recipes. It's not a, a fashion design book. It's not a how to start a business, build a deck, or, or even how to train your pet, you know. It, it's not a how-to, per se, book. It's a book about propositional truths on the statement of reality. And it, does, it asks the most basic and important questions about life, like, uh, who are we as human beings and why are we here on this earth? Uh, Are human beings special and unique, or are we just an accident or byproduct of of this creation? Uh, Do individuals, people have souls? And if so, what is the soul and what does it do to you or how does it influence you? Why do we experience pain and suffering? Why, why do we have to go through that? And then why is it so intense? Is there a right? Is there a wrong? Is there justice? Is there injustice? How do? how, where does all that stuff come from? Well, it comes from the Bible.
1: Yeah. And and the way we really develop our understanding of what the Bible is teaching, um, is we have to kind of really understand what it is to start with, which is A a library of books and there's 66 books total, 39 old Testament books, 27 new Testament books, and the difference between the old Testament books and the new Testament books is Jesus. Mm -hmm. Old Testament books cover a period of time before Jesus was alive. The new Testament covers his life, crucifixion and his resurrection. Plus the birth of the church, simply meaning what happened uh, to the apostles after Jesus left. The word Testament means testimony. So the reason the 27 books in the Bible is called the new Testament is because it testifies to the new covenant that Jesus brought. Mm -hmm. Our theme for this year has been the study of the kingdom of God. Uh, what it is, where it is, how can you become part of it? And our new series for this next month is called Kingdom Come. Mm -hmm. So tell us the point and purpose of the series, why it's so important for people to know what the Bible teaches on this subject.
0: Well, the point and purpose of this study is to help people understand what's happening in our world right now and why it is happening. Because a lot of people of faith have questions uh, about life in general, but also about the world we live in, because the world we live in seems to be such a mess at times. Mm. So... You know, here's some basic questions. If Jesus is a God of love, then why is there so much hatred and suffering in the world? If Jesus is a God of peace, then why is there so much war in the world? If God is a God who is just, then why is there so much injustice in the world? If Jesus is a God of righteousness, then why is there so much unrighteousness in the world? Well, the answer is there are two kingdoms and they are at war. Mm. There's two kingdoms, and they are at war. We see the, the alluding to this in the New Testament documents all the time, like 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war uh, or wage battle according to the flesh. For our weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Hmm. So in Ephesians 6, chapter 10, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you notice that we're fighting here on earth in this battle that is occurring in the heavenly places. So that's a really important distinction, I think. Yeah. And then 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul writes, uh, verse 11, Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. These passages of scripture show us that there is a battle that's happening.
1: Yeah. uh, Here's my question, though. One of the principles you taught us is we need to kind of consider the the usage of language when discovering biblical principles. So how do we know this isn't just a form of hyperbole Mm uh that there isn't really a battle or a fight it's just more of like a mental struggle how do we know that that's not just the case with all of this imagery that that the bible's putting forth
0: Well, i think that's really good is it is it hyperbole is it like a kind of a a a, an analogy or a metaphor it's like man we're struggling here in this realm and it's like a fight it's like a battle well because that does occur in the bible right like that's
1: not a unused way of communication in the Bible.
0: Exactly. And so we have to determine, Mm. is it a figurative speech? Is it a Hebrew or Greek idiom? Is it hyperbole? Is it a metaphor? Is it an analogy? Or is he talking about something specific? And I think Mm. he's talking about something specific in in reality that is there when you uh, uh, go back and review some of the passages of Scripture in the Old Testament as well, and wh- what we're going to do is we're going to find out: is there a spiritual realm? If so, where is it, and what's going on there that we can't see? Now, if you don't believe in a spiritual realm, you only believe in a material realm, right? And so, then of course, this would be figurative language, right? But if you believe in a spiritual realm, which we do, uh, I think one of the most important things is: okay, well, what is going on there? And in J- Daniel chapter ten. Uh, he is recording various visions and things uh, that he's have happening and uh, some pro- prophetic statements he's making. And he's under a lot of duress, and so he prays to God to come minister to him. Okay, Now, this is different because this is before the Holy Spirit existed. Okay. And so God sends him an angel. And what's interesting, though, is it took the angel a while to get there. Because in chapter 10, verse 10 of the book of Daniel, it says, Then behold, Daniel says, a hand touched me and shook me on my hands and knees. And he said to me, Daniel, you who are treasured, understand the words that I'm about to tell you and stand at your place, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, don't be afraid Daniel from from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before God your words were heard and I have come in response to your words but the prince of the king of Persia was standing in my way for 21 days so Daniel set himself to think on what the Lord had sent him and he in an angel was dispatched, right? Mm -hmm. To come and minister to him. But it took 21 days for this guy to get it. Isn't that interesting? What's happening in the spiritual realm, right? Has a time impact in the material realm. Mm. That's interesting because he says 21 days.
1: Yeah. It ties, it ties the physical and spiritual realms together, right? They don't, they don't not exist with each other there's there's some they they, they coexist and they
0: influence one another even though god is not linked to time right sometimes there's things happening there that take time in this in our our understanding of time yeah in our understanding of time it's really kind of abstract and crazy if you think about it he says, "I was there for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, and Michael is one of the archangels. You know, there's Michael mm-hmm. and there's uh, uh, Gabriel, and many said that Lucifer was a third, and that's why they speculate. Doesn't really say this anywhere is that when Lucifer rebelled, because it says in Isaiah that he he stood uh, in pride against uh, God on the Mount of Zion, and so God cast him down." is that a third of the angels went with them, and that's where demons come from. Mm, Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible. People are extrapolating. Right. Right? But, and so, anyway, he says, Michael came, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the latter days. So, isn't that interesting? He says, I got there, and the king, uh, the prince of Persia, and then there are other princes there, so... There was a demonic horde there and he couldn't get by them until Michael showed up. Mm. And then so Michael cleared the path. I could always have like an image in my head, you know, there's Michael taking his sword out, you know, the right. lightsaber, hacking all, all these the, guys down. All the best battle scenes from <laughs> yes. all the greatest
1: movies are occurring in that particular that's thing. That's how I like to picture yes. it. Doesn't
0: say that in the Bible, but that's how I like to picture it. And so, uh, another passage that's really interesting that links the two together, I think that we need Mm -hmm. to talk about is in Isaiah chapter six, and this is called the commissioning of Isaiah when he's called to be a prophet and carry the message of the Lord. And it says in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. So he has, he sees the spiritual realm clearly. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings with two, each covered his face and with two, each covered his feet and with two, each would fly. Now this is really interesting. So Isaiah sees God on his throne and then the train of his robe, meaning, you know, the, the long part is fills the entire temple, right? Okay. And then seraphim, which are angels are flying around God. This is really interesting with only two wings. They had six wings, but only two were used for flying, right? What were the other four wings used for
1: covering their face and their feet
0: to protect them from the powerful holiness of God? Mm. Okay. So it says, uh, they called out to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. Isn't that interesting? The Lord of armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And it says, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And so I said, woe to me, for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. So it's really interesting because he was afraid to see God because Mm -hmm. he knew I'm not a righteous person. Right. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and atonement is made for you. So that's why in the new Testament, when Jesus says he's the lamb and he is the atonement for all of our sin, he's like that burning coal that made Isaiah pure, but it's now available to everyone. Right. Okay. And so... Uh, you could also look in the book of Revelation. We don't really have time to do that, but the book of Revelation is filled in great detail of visions of the spiritual realm and what is going on there and things that we just can't see. And so what does this tell us in the Old Testament book of Revelation is that this battle that's happening in the spiritual realm that Paul talks about is a real battle that is going on. We just can't see it.
1: Well, and there's even, I mean, there's also that passage when I'm trying to think of who it was, but basically him and his servant are cowering in a house and then he's like not really worried about it. And he Mm -hmm. asks God to open his eyes so he can see, and he sees just this like huge, uh, or army army of of angels angels, surrounding the house. Yeah. So there's a ton of different references throughout the Bible where it's the, the spiritual realm does exist and there is things happening um, here in the physical world that we're part of that we see influence and we see it Mm -hmm. happening. So there's, there's a lot of examples of there being a spiritual realm, but most of the time, it's just like the story I was talking about. We do have difficulty seeing it. Our eyes are not open to all of the things going on most of the time.
0: Correct. We're not at all. And there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just, It's revealed through the Bible and through through certain people, but ultimately we have to start training ourselves to, even if we can't see it with our eyes, we need to be aware that it's occurring because that's going to completely change how you approach the world, approach your your thinking, approach any situation. If you know that there's a, a battle being waged around you you're not necessarily completely aware of then you're going to have your guard up right
0: yeah and i and you know that's really in essence what this entire series is all about it's all about the notion that that there is a kingdom in, in the spiritual realm there is a kingdom and it is the kingdom of god and in in this spiritual realm god's will reigns supreme mm-hmm. okay and In Matthew chapter six, Jesus taught us how to pray when he gave us the Lord's prayer. Mm -hmm. And one of the first lines in the Lord's prayer is we're to pray to God and say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the model prayer. And that is God's will reigns supreme in the heavenly realms, the spiritual realm, this other dimension, where his kingdom exists in wholeness and impurity. And when we die, we go into that kingdom and we call that heaven, right? right? So that exists. And what's happening now is we're praying that that kingdom will be present here on earth. In a way we're saying, God, we want heaven now, which is your kingdom, right. to come and be presented. Here on earth, so we need to pray for that. It's already happening there in heaven now. We want it to happen here, and the implication of this is clear that God's kingdom is complete and whole, but the only kingdom that exists outside of God's kingdom, right, is the one here on the material earth. Now, that's really an important thing to note because the reason it exists is because of us now. If you were to go back into the first three chapters of Genesis, what you would find is God creates the heavens of the earth, then he creates humanity. Male and female, he created them in his image. And then he gives them a rulership command, right? He says, watch over, be responsible for, and then he tells them to be fruitful and multiply. Mm Mm-hmm so what he, what we're supposed to do is we have become invited to be co-creators with god we are co-creators with god to create life living souls okay that's really important souls are not pre-existent okay now latter-day saints or otherwise known as mormons they teach that souls are pre-existent and the reason why people here on earth are supposed to get pregnant and have lots of kids because you need to give a body to a pre-existent soul. Right. But the scriptures don't teach that, okay? Uh, in the biblical scriptures, the 66 books that make up the Bible, it says that we have been invited as rulers over this material realm. And that what we are to do is what? We are to create life in partnership with God. God. So that's really important because what happens is Satan comes in and he corrupts humanity. He doesn't corrupt God. He corrupts humanity. And in the process, so what he's doing is if, if you were Satan, think about this for a moment. If you're Lucifer and you're one of the three archangels, you're at the top and you have all this power and authority in God's kingdom, but then you get prideful and you don't like God. And so you try to stand against God. Okay. Now what's the best strategy to do that? Can you take on God? No. Probably not. I mean, Lucifer may be dumb, but he's not stupid. Can I say it that way? <laughs> yes. So, so what happens, I think really fascinating in this environment, if you really dig in, think about this for a moment, is that, so what he does is he goes, okay, there's another ruler. There's another place of authority, humanity, and they have free will and they are co-creators of life. So if I corrupt them, then I carve out a place for my kingdom see so what he does is he approaches Adam and Eve he corrupts them so when god removes them from the garden of eden and daniel says in one of his visions that he sees a throne at the right hand of god and it's empty so he calls god the ancient of days and then he says there i see a throne where the son of man then takes the seat and so it's really important to understand this imagery. If we want to apply these biblical principles to what our lives today, and we'll do that on Thursday, but you see, it's really important to understand is that Jesus always called himself in the new Testament. Did he ever say I am the Messiah? Almost never. He always called himself the son of man. man. Yeah. And that's in reference to, cause he was speaking to Jews and they, they knew Daniel's prophecy, so what he was saying is, I am the one to sit in the throne with God. I am one with God. So, that's, so when people today, sometimes I'll, I'll watch uh, uh, reels and things on Twitter and stuff like that. And these, these young people get on there and, and people from other faiths say, well, God never claimed to be, or Jesus never claimed to be God. This is really big for Muslims who are trying to catch Christians, you know. Uh, they're always saying, well, Jesus, show me in the Bible where Jesus claimed that he was God. And then a Christian is like, well, I don't know if I can point to the exact verse or I just always know that's what I've been told. And so then the Muslim tries to jump on that and convince him otherwise. But the thing is, is that, well, that's because you don't understand language. You don't, he called himself the son of man all the time. Right. You know, the son of man did not come to seek and uh, to be served, but to uh, serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. The Son of Man. So he said every time he said that, he was saying, "I'm God." Right. And which
1: is why they got so frustrated any time that phrase was alluded to. They were yeah. like Wait.
0: blasphemy. Yeah. What you're saying is blasphemy. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah. And that's why they killed him. Was on a charge of blasphemy. <laughs> yes. Which is that's the whole point. So modern day people who who uh, try to argue from that perspective, it's just like ridiculous. But. The implication, I think, let's go back, is that that because Satan corrupted humanity, what did we create? So we're co-creators with God. We have the capacity to create, right? Mm-hmm. We create life. We create living souls. And so we also created the context or we created the space in the material world where Satan's kingdom can take root and reign supreme. And so, so if God wants to change that, if God wants to buy back that which we, what we did, humans did that, right? Right. So how does he do that? See, if he were to go in then and just wipe out the evil, what else does he wipe out? Us. Us. So But we've been invited to be co-creators with God. He loves us, so he has to come up with a strategy, Mm -hmm. right? And the strategy is, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to take my kingdom, and my kingdom is going to go into that and is going to overtake the evil. So do you remember uh, the movie by Will Smith, iRobot? Yes. And who was the bad guy in iRobot? The robot.
1: No, Vicky, wait. Vicky, that's right,
0: that's right. The I, the AI that controlled all the robots yeah. and controlled everything, right? So Vicky is the AI, and so what's the one way to get rid of Vicky is you had to have these nanobots, you right. know what I'm saying? And so what does Will Smith do? You know, he breaks in and they get to the central core, the brain of Vicky, and he goes down there. And what does he do? He jabs that thing in there, and then they go rushing in there and right. they start taking over. So when Jesus comes to earth right he's those nanobots to kill evil right you know i said it's a weird analogy but
1: but (laughs) But i think it makes sense because basically it's it's an infiltration there was a powerful moment when jesus took form here on earth and he basically injected the cure to what we need but it has to proliferate it has to go out like if if the nanobots just stayed right where they were injected and hid there it doesn't do anything, right? Correct. It has to spread out from there. So there was a powerful and movement multiply and multiply, right? And so it's an infiltration. It's an it's an uh, opportunity to cure what has been gone wrong, what has been evil, and
0: but, and this is why Jesus says that He won't return again until what the gospel has been preached throughout the entire world. Right. So until the truth, the nanobot truths, multiply to every area that. Satan, right, is trying to hold on to. Right. And when you read the book of Revelation and you start to understand this kingdom, you know, uh, perspective, what you see is you go, oh, Revelation makes a little bit more sense. You see, this this is the thing is Revelation wasn't written in code that if you're smart enough, you can figure out when Jesus is coming again. Right. That's not the point of revelation. The point of revelation is that the kingdom is waiting. The kingdom of God is waiting to come back once all of the ground, all of the territory that Satan has tried to claim has been bought back and reclaimed. Mm. Okay. Now there's still going to be people that are, you know, opposed to it. right? Right. And. That's why it says that when the king of kings and the Lord of lords comes back, he's going to open his mouth and out of his mouth is a sword of truth, Mm. right? And what's the truth? You know, is the truth, well, you're a bad person and I'm not, no, that's not the truth. The truth is, is that this is God's kingdom and he's reclaiming his authority over it. And the truth is, is that Satan is not in charge and he never was and he's been, disempowered. And so he's bound and cast into a pit and cause what was going on is John was writing in this kingdom language in the book of revelation. And that's important to understand when you interpret revelation. Mm. So it's really interesting is that we invited sin into the world. Human beings did. Therefore we created a kingdom where Satan could oppose God. Mm. So we have to be saved. From the influence of satan in his kingdom in order for us to enter into the kingdom of god and that's why jesus told the parable the tares and the wheat the weeds and the wheat you remember that series this summer about the parables right is that uh a farmer sowed wheat and an enemy sowed weeds in his field so right. the servants come and say oh should we go weed the field he goes no because if you do you're gonna upset, yeah, right? The thing. And so and then he interprets it. He says the wheat are the people of the kingdom of God. The weeds are the people of the evil one mm. and the dirt, the soil is the world right. in which we live. So the goal of this series now is to understand that principle. It's to understand how God's kingdom and this earthly kingdom are at war. And your heart is the battleground of this war. So even though there is a war out there in the spiritual realm, in the material realm, that battle is happening in your heart. And this is the tension we live in every single day. So our goal is to figure out not only what this battle is, why it's being waged, but what we can do to have victory over it So that we push back the kingdom of the enemy and we plant a new flag and take new ground for the kingdom of God.
1: Well, Pastor, I'm excited. This sounds like a, uh, it's going to be a really fun series, but I'm also excited to see how you try to tie it all in because I think this can be a little esoteric sometimes, but I think it's one of the most important things we can (laughs) really understand is that we are at war and we are trying to uh, claim new ground for God and the kingdom. And there's a way to do that. And he gave us the way to do that in the Bible. And so we're going to be studying that. and Working through that and it'll also help us understand why there is so much hurt and pain in this world when we're constantly struggling with the idea of, well, I thought God loved me and I thought these things, he wouldn't let these things happen to me because that's what the world has taught us, right? Well, if he exists and this is going to help us work through some of that stuff as well, and I think that's super important for you to understand so that your belief isn't rooted in, well, I I believe in God when things are good. But when, right. you, when things aren't good, I get really mad. And it's like, well, the, you got to understand it a little bit deeper. So thank you so much for um, leading us on this series, Pastor, and we're really excited for it. Thank you guys for joining us. Make sure you leave a comment um, and uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube channel so that you're helping spread this uh, message and these thoughts and way of you know really understanding what you believe to people who have not understood the ways yes. that they believe. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor podcast.
0: Blessings.